Welcome to the Write, Sell, Succeed podcast, where it's all about the message you convey that compels your customers to pay. And now, here's your host, Gloria Rand. Welcome to Write, Sell, Succeed. I am Gloria Rand, your host of this podcast, and you can find me online at GloriaRand.com. Now, on this podcast, I've been focused on primarily uh, dealing with offering you suggestions on how you can get your marketing message out there and how you can attract your ideal clients using everything from email marketing to social media. And so that's been great, and I hope that you've gotten a lot of value out of it. But out of it. But I thought today, um, and actually for um, at least the next couple of episodes, I wanted to change gears a little bit and actually focus on the business. <laughs> the focus on the business aspect of how to be able to grow your business and, and actually be profitable. And because I think a lot of, I, I know for myself, certainly I have struggled with this and I know a lot of uh, small business owners that some some have been my clients, they are just struggling with being profitable. Now, that's not to say that they're not selling and that they're not generating a lot of revenues, but to be able to then convert those revenues into profit is a totally different thing. And I am pleased to share with you um, today an interview that I recorded um, actually a little a little while ago uh, with uh, Mike McCallowitz. He is the entrepreneur behind three multi-million dollar companies. He's the author of The Pumpkin Plan and the business cult classic, The Toilet Paper Entrepreneur. And uh, at the time when I recorded this interview, he had just released his latest book, uh, which is still available, and I highly recommend it. It's called Profit First. So I, I'm going to be talking with, you, with Mike a little bit about this, but, but also just for those of you who may also not know a little bit more about him, just to to let you know he's also um, he's a globally recognized entrepreneurial advocate he's a former small business columnist for the Wall Street Journal and he also hosts the business uh, makeover segment on MSNBC's Your Business so um, he's really really a funny guy but but bright very bright and he just came up with some this, the book Profit First is awesome because it really does share with you how you can be profitable, and that's that's what this interview is about. So we're gonna it's gonna be over the next couple of episodes. Um, so today, um, what I want to do is get started, and I asked uh, asked Mike about to explain some of the kind of lingo that I think a lot of small business owners, and certainly me, uh, don't understand, which is like what what is gap and what does gap mean which is uh, well it's basically general accounting principles I don't even know um, anyway but I'm gonna go I'm gonna ask him I, I ask him about that and then we kind of get into also a little bit uh, about how how he came up with this uh, profit first system so um, you know listen to the interview and uh, I know that you're going to get a lot of value out of it so here is uh, Mike McCallowitz explaining a little bit to us about uh, GAAP what all that means yeah good question and let me first assure you you're not alone 
Um, I think the vast majority of entrepreneurs are not accounting gurus. Uh, I think the vast majority of entrepreneurs are extraordinary salespeople, uh, very optimistic and motivated around you know, what they do. Um, and that's why right. we get into our business. So, so we fall short in the numbers. What GAP is, uh, it is the G-A-A-P acronym and pronounced GAP, it stands for Generally, Generally Accepted Accounting Principles. And these are the accounting rules, if you will, that have come about and subsequently been mandated by um, the IRS, the SEC, uh, and is also internationally, internationally mandated. Large public companies must follow GAP uh, accounting. And small companies, the vast majority of us, also follow it. Even though we're not mandated to do that, we still follow it because when we report our taxes, we follow that format. And it's, it's a real simple formula. It's sales minus expenses equals profit. Um, and this is a formula so the government you know, tracks our profits and, and the other numbers so they can, tax, they can tax us accordingly. But we also run our businesses this way, and this is where it becomes what I call the Frankenstein formula because it eats a cash-eating monster. When it's the formula of sales minus expenses equals profit, what happens is the natural tendency of entrepreneurs, most of us, all of us, sell, you know, the job is to sell as much as possible. Then we extract minus expenses. We subtract expenses that cover our sales and our business operations. Then right. whatever's left over is profit. And yeah. that's where the problem is. Profit is a leftover. It's an afterthought. And mm -hmm. for so many entrepreneurs, it's at the end of the year, you know, the accountant comes back and says, hey, congratulations, you, you made a few thousand bucks or whatever. Uh, you had a little profit. And we say, well, where is it? I don't see anything, you know. <laughs> where would that money go? Right. And the, the reason is, is profit is not directly attributed to cash flow. So we may have a paper profit, but we don't see the money. That's part of the issue. But also mm -hmm. a major part of the issue is profit, since it's an afterthought, we hope it will appear one day because we land a major client or uh, an investor comes in and buys our company, and that's where we'll get our money. The goal and what I'm trying to spread the word on is profit is not an event, and that formula, sales minus expenses equals profit, is what's actually holding us back. There's a different mm -hmm. formula. I call it the profit first formula that brings about the habit of profit, and therefore at the end of the year and every day in between, you're in small steps, you're making a profit, and you see a massive profit at the end of the year. That sounds good. <laughs> I, I definitely yeah, like yeah, that right, concept. Exactly. Yeah, 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 exactly. Because, yeah. yeah, you want to be able to, and especially if you're working so hard, you want to be able to, you know, show that the, this work isn't going for nothing, that you are, you know, getting somewhere down the way. So I like yeah. that. Now, now, how did a piggy bank like the one featured on the cover of your new book that is called Profit First, how did that change your entire perspective about how to become profitable and achieve wealth? Yeah, well, I, I was the guy who believed in the, um, the Frankenstein formula, the sales minus expenses equals profit. So I had a couple companies, and I was building them, and the only way I thought I could achieve wealth was if I could just sell more, if I could, like I was saying earlier, get that one big client, if I could have that one big event, I thought habit was an event. And coincidentally, I, was, I sold two of my companies, and that's where I made my wealth is when I, when I sold my two businesses. And I said, ah, see, it, it proved my thoughts. I got a pump and dump. I'm doing this air quotes. I got to pump and dump my business, <laughs> build it fast, <laughs> and dump it. Right. And what happened was I, I started, I became 
arrogant. I, I believed, oh, I've got the formula now. I can just show the world how to be successful. And I believed that I needed to invest more and more money and, and put more money out there to make more money. I mean, there's a, there's a saying, it needs, takes money to make money. And I, I believed that. Right. So mm-hmm. I started in, uh, investing in small companies as an angel investor, giving you know 10000 here, 50000 there, building uh, an infrastructure for one company. And really what I call myself now was the angel of death <laughs> because oh, these companies <laughs> these companies I started, the vast majority um, never made it past six months. And oh, Gloria, no. it was so bad. It was so bad that as these companies were going out of business, I was still paying bills. I was still covering mm-hmm. expenses that we'd incurred. And mm-hmm. um, embarrassingly, within two years of selling my second company, I had lost every penny I made. And uh, this is where the piggy bank moment happens. I uh, I was kind of in denial. I was losing this money. I thought, you know, finally life and business would turn, but it wasn't. And I came home uh, to my family on Valentine's Day of all days. I'll never forget this day. It was February 14th, 2008. And I walked in and um, uh, I just I started crying. Like I, I didn't know what to do. And I just kind of broke down in front of my family. And I I blurted out the words, I stole it. I, every penny I made, I stole away from our family. And, you know, for me, I, I believe my core purpose of my life, in my life here is to support my family, my children, my wife. That, like, that's one of my core responsibilities. Sure. And yet I'm the guy who ripped it away from everybody. And um, my daughter, eight years old or nine years old at the time, went running out of the room you know, it's tough to see your father breaking down in front of you. Oh, yeah. And she runs out of the room, and I remember wishing, man, I wish I could run out of the room. And uh, she came back about a minute later with a piggy bank in her hand, her piggy oh. bank, and she put it down in front of me, and uh, she slid it toward me and said, uh, I'll take care of us. <laughs> oh. Oh. oh, my God. And Breaks yeah, your heart. it just oh, it broke my heart, oh. and it was so. Yeah. But. I needed that wake-up moment to realize how much I didn't understand money management, how I didn't understand cash. I thought I did, but I didn't. Mm-hmm. And uh, I devoted myself, I, I committed to myself maybe is the better word, in that moment that I would find a way to to make permanent profit, to bring profitability to my business permanently. And I also committed to myself, if I figure this out, or when I figure this formula out, I'm going to share it. And it, it didn't happen overnight. It wasn't like the next morning. I was like, okay, I figured it out. <laughs> I, I went through <laughs> about two years of depression, um, not sleeping, uh, anxiety, uh, pure stress. I, was, I think I considered myself a functional depressant or depressive, meaning I, I was depressed, but was able to keep kind of plugging ahead. And... Mm-hmm. Um, I started to find the different formula, uh, the profit first formula, but that's what triggered it—that piggy bank. Wow, that's that's an amazing story. Um, yeah, I can just imagine. Just now, it's funny. My daughter, by the way. Oh, yeah. yeah, she was. She's now 15 years old. Um, she doesn't actually. It's funny. I've told her about. It, she doesn't remember doing that. Um, uh-huh. And at 15 years old, she'd care less what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, I know. Teenagers. You know, yeah. oh, been there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, that's okay. You feel they'll, my pain. They'll grow up soon. Yeah, they'll grow up soon. Yeah. yeah. So, 
I understand that you, you learned some four fundamental lessons from some interesting people, some actually health and fitness experts. So what are those yeah. and how does, how does that apply to a business's you know, bottom line? Yeah, yeah. so it was funny. I, after that piggyback moment, um, if you've ever suffered depression, I, I hope not. And what I've come to find, by the way, is a large majority, upwards of half of entrepreneurs go through and, and struggle with depression at some point. Um, the feeling of inadequacy was, was how it felt to me. Like I just wasn't mm. there. And uh, sure. for me, depression doesn't mean like a dark room and sleep all the time. It actually means no sleep and uh, panic work, like just working but in a panic state, um, spinning right. my wheels. But at night, I would sit and watch TV and I watched, I think, every infomercial in the world. I, you know, I bought the Jacqueline Juicer, the Suzanne Summers Thigh Master. Like, you know, I'm buying this junk. <laughs> what the hell am I doing? And after uh, one too many infomercials, I, I decided to turn the channel and find something else. And uh, I, I turned it to a local PBS channel, and sure enough, it was a fitness expert. Which is kind of funny. I'm like, what was guy trying to tell me something here? Like, Mike, you better get back in shape. <laughs> and uh, there's this fitness expert, but it wasn't an infomercial. It was a guy speaking to a small audience, and he explained um, that fads, fad diets, uh, these these things I was buying, like the thigh master, the ab inductor, you know, the thing that electrocutes your mm -hmm. stomach and gets you fit. Those things, he said, they really don't work. And he said. Interestingly, if we saw the before picture of people and the after picture of people, which they display on TV, but then if you also saw the after-after picture, you'll notice that most people do lose weight because of the gimmick or the intensity of whatever it is, but gain the weight back. And he said, the problem with all these little systems is they require a massive change in the way we behave. And for almost all of us, it's impossible to change our core habits, um, particularly abruptly. So he said, if we could find something that works with actually how we currently behave, that's the solution to health. And he said, and I'll tell you what the simple solution is. It's smaller plates. And what he explained was that the plate size, the portions we serve ourselves on plates, has increased by about 100% over the last 200 years. So that means mm -hmm. in George Washington's day, if you got a serving on a plate, a plate was half the size of the plates that are in your kitchen today. So, and he said, if we simply get small plates again for our house that will continue our normal habit of serve, fill up the plate like we normally do, eat everything that's off the plate, like our mother told us, you know, eat everything. Mm -hmm. that's right. But now because there's smaller <laughs> plates, we've put the guardrails in place to take, put less on the plate, take less calories, and so forth. So that was the first principle that I learned about fitness. I was like, oh, my God. Like, wh what about in our businesses? Maybe our plates are too big. And – for most entrepreneurs, they are, and this is how it correlates. For most businesses, Gloria, we entrepreneurs have a single operating account. All the deposits go into one big checking account, and then we take our withdrawals or payments out of there. We perhaps right. even take our own payments, our own salary or distribution, should we take it. A lot of entrepreneurs skip out on it. We're the last to pay ourselves. And um, maybe we have a second account. Well, here's what I propose in Profit First. Set up minimally five accounts. One is an income account, an account specifically for money to be deposited in, but no other purpose. It's just for collecting money. Um, the second account is set up a profit account um, where you will store your profits. 
Set up one for your owner's pay, paying yourself. Another one for taxes, so your business pays for your taxes, not you in a panic when April 15th comes around. And then the final plate, set one up for operating expenses. And then what the principle is, is every time deposits come into our income account, we allocate that money based upon percentages to different accounts. And, and what I mean here, say a $1,000 check comes in, 10%, right. for example, will go, will go to our profit account. Um, so $100 there. Uh, owner's pay, maybe we pay ourselves 30%, so $300 there. Taxes, maybe we have to reserve 15%, $150 there. Now the remainder, which I think is about 350 or 450 goes into your operating expenses account. And what this does is by allocating to these quote-unquote smaller plates, when we do our normal behavior of checking our bank account balance, almost every entrepreneur does that, we now see that $1,000 really isn't $1,000 to operate our business. It's only about 350 or $400 to pay for expenses. The remainder has been reserved for other purposes. And now that we spread up our money into these smaller plates, we have way better clarity on where our money is and what's available for. And because we're taking profit, we've reserved our profit first. That was the first core principle. There's three more, too, if you want me to share, but that was the first core principle I took from the health industry. Awesome. I love that. That that sounds so good because it really does help you being able to start setting aside things. And, and yeah, because people do get in this trap of just, you know, yeah, money in and money out. But then at the end of the year, I mean, I've certainly operated that way in my business. And it's like, you know, when am I ever going to get anywhere here? So when am I going to get paid? Yeah, right. Yeah. So, Why the great news if you operate that way, that means you're normal. <laughs> like, like yeah. that is normal. <laughs> and that's good. But the I funny thing, normal. you're totally normal. And the funny yeah. thing is, uh, the accounting principles gap says, no, 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 no. You, you don't look at your bank balance. Use your income statement, your cash flow statement. Make sure you understand your balance statement. Make sure you understand all these different statements and and collaborate or work with the three uh, statements in conjunction to figure out where your business stands at any given time. But the, the reality is I've never met an entrepreneur that understands uh, all three statements, let alone reviews them every week. But I do right. know entrepreneurs, myself included, who checks their bank balance every single day. So <laughs> my belief is if that's what we do, I call it bank balance accounting. If we check our bank balance every single day, we need a system that works with our natural, normal behavior. And that's what this right. small plates system for Profit First does. Okay, well, I hope you got some value out of that, a little bit of insight into how Mike came up with this profit first formula and what it and starting to get an idea of what it is now in uh the next part of the interview in uh, in the, our next podcast episode i'm I'm going to ask Mike uh, again to kind of expand on he started to talk about these four healthy habits, so we're going to get into the the next three healthy habits to help you to be profitable in your business and what you need to be doing. So I hope you, that you will tune in for that. And if you have not subscribed to the podcast, I encourage you to do so because that way you will be, make sure that you get our next, uh, that you get part two of my interview with Mike Michalowicz. So make sure that you're subscribed on iTunes and uh, Stitcher Radio. And if you want to leave me a comment and a review, that would be awesome as well. And as always, I encourage you to please, uh, you know, send me your comments if you have any 
any questions, you can reach out to me on, online either on my website at GloriaRand.com or certainly through social media. I'm on Twitter at GloriaRand, and you can use the hashtag WriteSellSucceed. So until next time, uh, I am Gloria Rand wishing all of you much peace, love, and prosperity. Thanks for listening to the Write, Sell, Succeed podcast. Want more information? Visit GloriaRand.com. And don't forget to follow Gloria on Twitter, at GloriaRand. Let Gloria know you're listening. Use the hashtag WriteSellSucceed. Succeed.